Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you would please turn with me to the Gospel of Luke as we spend some time around the Word of God this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Amen. I'm going to be moving throughout chapter 24 today, but I'm going to begin by reading the first eight verses of chapter 24 in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles and you are with me, say, I'm there. Amen. The word of the Lord. On the first day of the week, which by the way is today, this is the first day of the week, this very day, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now they took spices because they were going for a funeral ceremony. They, they were going to finish up the funeral traditions with spices. But when they got there, verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered it, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You came for a funeral, but it's really a birthday party going on. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Tell your neighbors, sometimes I forget the words. We're going to want, just going full Baptist today. I'm going to mix it all in today. We're going to mix it up. <laughs> I'm a, anyway. Um, then they remembered his words. Bow with me, please. Father, we are celebrating today. With joyful hearts, we gather in this place to exalt and magnify your name. God, without the fancy words, we just say thank you. Oh, God, you've been so good to us. You've been better to us than we deserve. So, God, as we spend a few moments around your word today, Send your ministering angels in this place. Every every seat, every row, you have a word for your people 
today. And we pray that all that has been prepared, all that has been done, God, just opens the door for the movement of your spirit. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you and give you praise. Amen. Um, I also want to take a moment before I start the message. There's been a special service prepared for our young people. Uh, so if you are between 12 and 18, I uh, would ask you to kind of slip out this door, head over to the multipurpose room, and Pastor Lita uh, has something uh, particularly for you and this word today. Amen? Amen. I, I want to talk today about the resurrection. What is resurrection? See, because I think we sometimes have these big, fancy, churchy words that we throw around and get comfortable with, but don't realize the depth of the meaning of these words. Resurrection. We know that Jesus did it. And we know that we're supposed to care about it. But I want us to realize that there was a clue for the significance in the word itself. Resurrection means something coming back to life. And the re in that means that it's not something that's birthed for the first time. Re means you were something, you became something else, and I'm taking you back to what you were initially supposed to be. I'm rewinding it. I'm calling you back home. And so in this resurrection, there is something that we need to get our hands around to understand all that Jesus really accomplished and why it's still significant to this very day, thousands of years later. But in order to do that, I I think we have to understand a little bit about ourselves. I want to make a a connection for the, the skit. And in case you missed it, The skit was called These Hands. These Hands. And there was testimonies from each of the people that were representing different ways in which we can get caught up in things, uh, caught up in behaviors, caught up in actions and reactions and attitudes that, that are less than what God desires for us. And it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are, married, single, we all have stuff. And so Jesus is, is um, coming in to deal with this, this junk that we carry around. And when I was thinking about it, how can I demonstrate it? How can I, how can I give an illustration that shows the foundation of our celebration today? And I remembered something I shared with the youth a long time ago. I mean, take, take a second and just, and just look at your hands. Literally, just, just take a look at them. Now, it's... it's Sunday morning, and we're coming to church, and it's Easter, so most of us probably bathed. <laughs> and, and we washed our hands, and we got all lotioned up, so our, our hands are looking pretty good. It's, it's not Ash Wednesday. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's uh, Resurrection Sunday. So we probably look pretty good. Some of us could, could probably use a little manicure. Some of us could use, okay, ladies, okay. Um, some of us could use a little, t- some of us have hands that require a lot of manual labor. Or maybe we've been out gardening and so we've got some, some calluses and some rough spots on our hands. But, but, but we can get to the sink and, and put some soap and water on them and, and scrub them up and, and, and they look pretty good. But really my hands are, 
are dirty. And they're dirty by something that I can't, I can't just wash away. My hands are dirty because of sin. See, most of the sin that we are engaged in in our life comes either through our mouth or through our hands. These hands have done things that were horrible. These hands have been part of injustice. These hands have been part of selfishness. These hands have been part of, of, of unforgiveness and unkindness. These hands are, 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 are filthy, but you know what? We don't see it sometimes. And I thought about how I could explain this, and I thought of something I said to the youth years ago. Because, you know, youth, teenagers, you know, you're kind of growing through your growing pains, and you want to look good, and you're starting to really be self-conscious about how other people, you know, are kind of checking you out and what they think about you. But God gave us a blessing in the middle of those hormonal changes, and it's called acne. That's a blessing. Because it reminds us that when we have all of this posturing and stuff we're trying to do, that really underneath, we are not really clean. We're not perfect. We can put some makeup and cover it up, but really there's something there. And it made me think, suppose my sins were pimples. Not big ones, just the little red ones. But suppose every one of my sins was visible on my face. What would my face look like? Horrible. Horrible. I mean, really, stop and think of that image. If we could really go to the mirror and see a visible blemish for every sin we've created, I got 45 years of pimple making. What would my face look like? And do I realize that every time Jesus sees me, he sees me for what's really there? He sees it. He knows about it. The stuff that nobody else knows about, the stuff that I've covered up and, 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 and made up and, and hidden and all this other stuff, it's exposed to Jesus who sees my heart. And my hands are the same way. Every time I've used them for unrighteousness and, and, and envy and pride, suppose my hands were covered with, with, with the marks like that. My hands would be filthy. And I want us to stay there for a minute. I want you to think about that image because here's the problem. If we gloss over the depth of our sinfulness, we gloss over the height of the gift of the resurrection. See, I, I got to be honest with myself that at my best, I'm a filthy rag compared to a holy and righteous God. I, 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 I have nothing that he should be uh, in love or admiring me or saying, oh, that one's so special. No, I'm covered with my sin. And the more sins you got, the more grateful you should be. The deeper the hole goes, the higher he lifted you up. And so we're sitting here talking about resurrection. No, it's Resurrection. He took all of my stuff and took it away from me. And he sees me as beautiful and holy and righteous because I'm covered by the blood of a God who loved me enough to take it away. I mean, suppose it was me. Suppose I was Jesus. Whew. Some of y'all be in trouble. <laughs> and it'd be trouble if it was you too. If it was up to me to think of all the things that people had done 
an offense to me. To think of all the wrongs that had been committed against me, all the times I was ignored and slighted and disobeyed and flat out rebelled against, and now you want some forgiveness? Oh, I don't think that's going to work. I don't, I don't know about all that grace stuff. That's, that's a tall order. But he looked at us, covered in our stuff, covered in our sin and our mess, and he said, but I love you so much. I don't care about any of that. You are so precious to me. I want to be with you forever that I'm going to give my life, everything that I have, just to be close to you and that nothing separate us forever. Because that's what I designed you for. It's in your DNA. I gave you some of me. You're, you're, you're holy and you're righteous and you're pure. You are a, a human spiritual being having a human fleshly experience. We're passing through this stuff, but we get confused. But the resurrection reminds us that this is not our eternal destination. He, he called to bring us back into what he created us to be. And, and he didn't wait until just the crucifixion. He loved us even when we were still acting unlovable. He, 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 he's been doing it. If you look at the beginning of Luke, um, and I'm just going to kind of walk through this. He didn't just wait till chapter 24 for the cross. See, we have our dirty hands. We have our sinful hands. But God's hands look nothing like mine. He has no sin. He has nothing, nothing but the reflection of the righteousness of God. And he was loving us before we even knew what love really meant. Let me give you a couple examples. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Luke is with the, uh, um, Jesus is with the apostles. He just healed uh, Peter's mother. He's just getting his ministry going. And people hear that this Jesus, this healer is in town. And they start sending everybody, the sick, the lame, the fallen, the mentally ill, those that have been in depression, those that are dealing with all kinds of stuff. They just start flooding Jesus. And he doesn't send them away. There was no application for healing from Jesus. Thank God. Thank God I didn't have to fill out my, my resume and submit it for Jesus to heal me. He said, all I need is sinners who want to be close to me, and I give out healings in abundance. He's a healer. Some of us in here right now are dealing with some kind of issue, some kind of pain, some kind of struggle, some kind of addiction, some kind of habit that we've been wrestling with for years, and we're trying our best to get over it, but we haven't yet turned to the source who can really heal our infirmities. It's Jesus. He's demonstrated his ability to heal. And then he went a little bit further. Maybe you don't have any physical impairments. Maybe, maybe that's not your situation. Luke chapter 5, the very next chapter, he finds someone who was a leper. And there's all different kinds of leprosy. Some of us are physical. Some of them are more kind of social. Maybe you're a, a social leper. Maybe you've got something about you that just people would rather not be around. They, they, they kind of push you to the side. You've got some quirky habits. You've got some ways of being. I, I love what Daisha said when she was doing her part of the drama that she says, you know what, I've been someone who's been struggling with alcohol for so long, my family just gave up on me. They don't want to have anything to do with me anymore. They're sick and tired of me burdening them and falling, and we just push her aside. She is an alcoholic leper. 
Might as well put a big scarlet letter on her chest and say, you were done with you. Anybody ever felt like that? Ever felt like people are just tired of putting up with your stuff? Isn't it great that Jesus loves lepers? Isn't it fantastic that he loves the ones that everybody else is tired of dealing with? The ones that people keep saying, man, you keep acting the same way and I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm done with you. And Jesus says, that's exactly who I'm looking for. I'm looking for the one that everybody else has has written off, who sees no value, who knows that you're just stuck in the same old habit because I redeem, I restore, I, I bless people like that. Very next chapter, verse number six, Luke six, uh, chapter 10, he, he finds uh, uh, someone who is coming to worship. A guy went to the temple. He was in the right place. He was doing the right things. He was trying to understand who this God is. He was trying to give God praise, but, but he didn't quite do it right. He looked, he looked like his worship wasn't quite as good as some of the other super worshipers. You, you ever been a tier two worshiper? Your voice isn't quite as good as the person singing next to you and they're looking at you? Everybody else seems to know all the songs and the scriptures and you kind of doing the Milli Vanilli lip sync thing? You, you, you got something about you that, 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 that you, people just know you don't really quite fit in here. You don't quite look right. You don't quite talk right. You don't quite know the right things to say. You're just not quite as holy as the average person around here. This guy was there. His was obvious. He had a little shriveled hand. They might have put him in the shriveled hand section kind of off to the sides. And we don't mind you being here, but don't make too much fuss. Kind of stay in the background. And Jesus saw a heart that loved him. He saw a heart that was there to give him true and honest praise. And out of all those big religious superstars, he saw that guy. And he said, I'm going to use you for my glory. I'm going to heal you in the front of, in front of everybody. I'm going to restore you back to full manhood, back to full personhood, back to a full status as a worshiper. All you need, you don't need any resume. All you need is my spirit and a heart that desires to know me. He restores us and exalts us in front of those who are looking at us sideways. And then in case you think that that's just, you know, well, there's a lot of good teachers and a lot of good spiritual stuff going on and all kinds of gurus out there. Here's one they can't top. If you're dead, he can bring you back, he can bring, bring you back up. Now, that's got to be a separate category of gurus. And it wasn't just, we know many of us know the story about Lazarus, but in Luke chapter 8, he's talking about a little girl. And her, her, her family, her father was, was heartbroken. And, and, and he said she's died and people were weeping and, and everybody was so sad. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. She's just asleep. And they kind of laughed at him. But he said, see, you don't, you don't understand. There's nothing that I can't do. Even the stuff that you're so worried about, even this death thing that has many of us nervous and paralyzed. He said, I got that in my back pocket. He can even see something that is dead and worn out and and, and filthy and lost, and he will breathe his breath of life into it, and it will get up and become something better than it ever was before. He's a redeemer, and he loves taking those people who feel like they don't quite deserve it yet, who don't have all their stuff together. He loves finding us like that and bringing us into his family and letting us become a witness for the God that we know and love. And that's what we're celebrating. 
The fact that his resurrection opened the door for our resurrection. I'm not confined by my sin or my stuff or my habits. He's freed me from that yoke, and I can be a wonderful, God-honoring, free from addiction, free from my stuff, broken the chains of what dragged me down. I can be an image of the holy and righteous God as long as my heart desires him. And that happened today. Resurrection resurrection. He's bringing you back to what he designed you to be before the beginning of time. Amen. That's worth a praise right there by itself. Now, now, I, I talked about this death thing. I want to expand that a little bit. This girl was dead. And by the way, almost all of us in here have the same date with death. That's one date you can't break or be late to. But death had a little bit of a problem with Jesus. Why is that? Well, let me go to a scripture. John 10, 17, Jesus is saying, don't be confused. No one takes my life from me. There is no grim reaper, dude with the hood and the pole, and he's looking at every one of us, and he's, he's out to get us, and he's got a date for us. He looked at Jesus like, ooh. Can't get that guy. Why? Because I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus says, I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to pick it back up. Whenever I feel like going down, I'm going to go down, and whenever I feel like getting up, I'm going to get back up. Death has no authority over Jesus. There was no ability for death to control Jesus. He was outside of the reign of death. He was letting death know what the parameters were, and he chose to die. But there's still a problem. How do you die? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus' hands aren't like my dirty hands. He's got sinless, spotless hands. So how did he die? Well, Jesus is here. He knows what the Father wants to use him for. He knows what he's supposed to do. So since he didn't have any sin, he had to go find some. Wait a minute. Where did he get it from? He saw your sin, and he saw your sin, and he certainly saw my sin, and he went around and he started taking the sins from those who were sinful, and he put all of the weight of all of that sin for everything you've done, everything you're in the middle of doing, and even stuff you don't know you're going to do yet. He took all that sin and put it on his back and said, I will go down to the grave and take it away from you and bring you back up with me that you will be with me forever if my Father in heaven. Do we see the, under- the magnitude of that? It's not just some word. He literally saw everything in your life that would separate you from a holy and righteous God, and he took it away from you voluntarily and went through incredible shame and ridicule and physical pain. Why? Because he loved you. He said, you're the best thing I've ever made in my life. You're worth dying for. More importantly, you're worth living for. See, because he didn't just die and say, well, I put it away. He said, no, I came back so I can bring you back with me. 
I came back so that I would be the first fruits of what my father had in mind, but you are going to be with me in my father's kingdom forever. See, the resurrection wasn't just an event. It wasn't something that happened. It was, it was a decision that was carried out by the one who was resurrection. See, now, don't, don't miss this point either. John eleven twenty five twenty six makes it very clear. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life which means there are other things that look like resurrections, other things that look like they can help us live a full and whole and meaningful life. But Jesus says, I am the one who can free you from the stuff that has you in bondage, that can free you from the things that have you worried and depressed, that can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding that only comes from the source of renewed life, which is me. See, it's Jesus. We, we got to get, get into this, this understanding that it is the person of Jesus. I know there's all kinds of gurus and teachers and, and all kinds of great philosophies out there, but Jesus declared, he who believes in me, even though you die, even though we have a physical death, he who believes in me will never really die. Because I have the power to pick you up and brush you off and raise you to a life that is different than the one you've ever experienced before. And he demonstrated. Let's look at Luke chapter 24. If we scroll down a little bit in that, in that story, he's on the, uh, he, he, he came back, he rose from the dead, they went to the tomb, the tomb was empty, he saw these two guys walking along the road, and they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out what this Jesus thing means. They, they haven't quite figured out, and these women are running around talking about, we saw Jesus. And they're not sure they really believe it. And so when we, we look at the end of the story, he ends up showing up with the apostles, his dear friends. And he comes back to them, and he ushers them into his presence by saying, peace be with you. I'm bringing you back a peace that you can never get from this world. And, and, then he, and then he goes in, and they, they get scared, right? They think it's a ghost. So I'm down in verse number um, 37 for those that are following along. And he looks at him and says, why are you troubled, and why do you raise doubts in your mind? T- turn to your neighbor. We're going to be Baptists again. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, sometimes I doubt the word of the Lord. Sometimes I'm not sure if I can trust him. He says, well, you're standing there amazed and confused, but let me show you. It's still me. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. I'm the same God, which, by the way, brings up an important point here. Jesus saw our sin, and he took all of our sin. He took the sins of the whole world. He put it on himself, and he went down into the grave. But when he came back up, he still had the scars. See, we we can't confuse ourselves into thinking that sin in our life doesn't leave a mark. See, Jesus came up, and he still got the, the nails and the holes, and, and he's still dealing with the reality of the brokenness and the pain of our sin. He healed it, and he delivered us, but sin has consequences. So if Jesus came back from the dead, and he still got the marks of sin, don't you think you have some of the marks from your sin still walking around on your body? And we, we try to minimize, oh, yeah, uh, that was a long time ago, or that was 10 minutes ago, I'm over that one, or I asked for forgiveness, I'm sure that one got brushed away. But the sin in our spirit, we can't wash it off. We, we can't make it go away. All we can do is turn it over to the one who is able to take it and make it into something brand new. He takes our sin and turns it into praise. 
He takes our brokenness and makes them into testimonies. He takes our hurt. He takes our shame. And he doesn't let it stop us from being used by him. And it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. He made the journey to hell and back because you were worth it. And all he wants is a relationship with you forever. I mean, it's not just some traditional thing that we do. Easter Sunday itself is called Resurrection Sunday, but what does that really mean? I think we can get it confused with some kind of religious holiday, some kind of thing that we're supposed to do because we check it off on our God bonus points list. Well, I showed up on Easter, God. How about that one? Some kind of brownie points or commission program, like if I get enough, you know, lucky tickets, then he'll give me a prize at the end. But that's not what he wants. Jesus did not go through the crucifixion, the death and the resurrection, because he wanted to start a religion. He's not here for a religion. He's here for a relationship. Christian means follower of Christ. We can't separate our faith and our love and our deliverance from the person of Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. See, we got to make it personal. I got I to gotta know this Jesus. I got to be in relationship with him. I have to be sensitive to his spirit. I have to be transformed and renewed in my mind that the spirit of a living God may take over my life. And so we can know all kinds of facts and figures. Maybe somebody's in here, and you know what? This is, hey, you know, I kind of come, and I do the church thing every now and then, and, and you know, I try to be nice to people, and I do some, some other bonus point stuff. That's not a relationship. Jesus didn't die so that you could do him some favors. He died because he wants to be intimately connected with your every thought, your every dream, your every action, your every hope. He died to give you a new vision of what your life could be. And and it's so personal. Maybe some of us are in here and we know Jesus and we come to church kind of regularly, and we do some other good Christian stuff, but, but really, I'm not that connected to him. I don't, I don't feel him in my life. I, I, I don't see where he is helping me in my decisions, in my relationships with my children and with my finances. I, don't, I mean, I try to do some good stuff, but I don't feel his spirit nudging me and correcting me and, and, and encouraging me. Well, maybe this is the day that resurrection takes on a personal meaning for you. Maybe this is the day that you realize, God, you have been so good and so, 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 so kind and so compassionate to me that I want to give you the best that I have for the rest of my life. And by the way, God, I don't even know what that is. Would you please show me how to live a life that pleases you? Look at what it says at the end of Luke. After they, after they finally came across who he was, they were scared and they were nervous. By the way, let me throw this in real quick. Verse number 41 says, uh, do you have something to eat? 
showed him his hands, showed him his feet, and then asked for something to eat. Isn't it good news we get food when we get a new body? I was excited about that. All that good food that we kind of like, I think there's some good food in heaven. That's, that's a good news. That was free. So anyway, um, verse 44, he says, this is what I told you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the, and the Psalms. God has been trying to tell us the story of this culminating action in our lives since the beginning of time. And then verse 45, this is what I want us, uh, want us to see. Then he opened our minds so they could understand the scriptures. Last time, tell your neighbor, I need my mind opened. Oh, I need a renewed mind. I, 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 need, to, I need to think different thoughts. I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to hear when God is guiding me and directing me. I need to get out of my own way and let God, God do something in my life that's different than what I've been doing so far. I need to let, let him be in the driver's seat because he knows better than I know. He, he has better plans for me than I have my own plans. He knows the things I keep falling into time and time again. And I say I want to get out. I, I say I want to make better decisions. I say I want to get in different kinds of relationships. But on my own, I keep falling in the same hole. And God says, well, guess what? I can lift you back up because I got resurrection power. Nothing. Nothing can diminish the incredible love that God has for you. But we have to understand that it requires a heart that desires Him. Not the idea of Him. Not some kind of nebulous God floating in the sky. The one who is the resurrection the one who is the life, is calling you into a relationship with him starting right now. Literally, right, right now. And no matter where you are in your walk with him, you can get closer. And so you can be holy rolling, you can be brand new. He's calling us all the same way to return to what he designed us to be, to not rely on our own understanding of what he can do with our lives, but to surrender and say, God, I am yours. I give you the best of my heart, mind, body, and soul. Use me as you will because I know you were good. And I know that in the name of Jesus there is power, there is strength, there is healing, there's redemption, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's compassion. There is all that I need that I can't find anywhere else in this world. In the name, in the person of Jesus, who on this very day, thousands of years ago, was dragging that cross through the streets of Jerusalem, burdened down with all the sins of the entire world, but you're in there. It wasn't just some people 2,000 years ago. It was my sin that sent him to that cross. It was my sin that nailed him to that cross. It was me. And 2,000 plus years ago, he's going to that cross and as the song says, he made the choice because I was on his mind. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about you. And he made a promise. 
that those who are in him will never die. He will lift you up and raise you and deliver you and keep you in the palm of his hand forever. I, I just want to give us just a moment to just, to just ponder that thought for a second. I don't know what's going on in your life or your circumstances, but I know there is a God who is trying to manifest his spirit in your life. He's trying to give you different thoughts. He's trying to help you make different decisions. He's trying to lift you up and exalt you that you can be a witness. It says in 24, I've done this so that you can be a witness. Somebody who doesn't know Jesus is waiting on you to fall in love with him a little deeper so they can come home. He's got, his plan. He's got plans for us to be sent to the four corners of the world that the good news of what he accomplished may be made known everywhere. And so I just want to encourage us just to take just a moment to forget about the hams and the friends and the meals and all the other bunny rabbit stuff that's going on in the back of our minds. And just think about that name. the person of Jesus who gave himself this day that I may never, ever feel alone or hopeless or purposeless. But in his spirit, I am powerful. I am valuable. And I was designed to be loved by God. Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.